This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up? Just real quick, get your hand up, and we're going to jump into week two of this. I believe the Lord will speak to your heart. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 10, and then we will go to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. That's where we'll begin. And uh, you know, even in this stage of social media, I said last week it's a it's a love hate relationship because it's some of the greatest technology that we can ever experience. But the thing I hate about it, if we're not careful, we can be ruled and dominated by our emotions, our feelings, and even our impulses. So let's go a little further this week and see how the scriptures can help us out in that. We start in Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Now, if you've studied the Bible very often, you'll find out that these two sisters, Mary and Martha, they are the the sisters or the brother. Their brother was Lazarus, the guy who died, and Jesus raised him from the dead. So they got very acquainted with Jesus. And so it goes on to say there, and she had a sister called Martha or Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet, and he heard his word, or she heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, the word distracted there in different translations says uh, she was overoccupied, she was too busy. One translation says she pulled away from the things of God. Now, when you look right there that she was distracted, the things that was, she was distracted with was, was serving Jesus. Not sinful and not a bad thing, but yet it caused her to be distracted from what she should be doing. So just sitting here just for a little bit, I want you to briefly think about if you had to fill in that blank what is causing you to be distracted from the things of God? And just to give you a little tip here this morning, oftentimes that's social media now. It's always interesting to me when people say, I don't have time to come to church, but they got five hours to be on social media. Ow, pastor, that hurt. Well, I didn't call your name, so just ease up a little bit there, okay? But again, when we have time to do all these other things except for what Jesus asked us to do, we get into very, very dangerous situations. So she was distracted with much serving. Now, watch what happens very next with her distraction. And so it says she was distracted with much serving, and she approached him, and she said, and she said, and so with the words of her mouth, she begins to to speak. She begins to release things. Oftentimes, when we begin to say things, nowadays it's on social media. And so she began to say, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, this sister here named Martha, she's got in the back of her mind, she's the only one busy. She's the only one that's doing anything. So on her hashtag, or her, her social media, on her Facebook, she hashtags out, Mary's nothing but a lazy butt, hashtag. Mary's no good for nothing. And if that's not enough, then we can go on our our text. And I don't know if you have this emoji on your text, but I do. I've never used it. But it's a hand gesture with the middle finger. 
And I've seen people do those things. And a lot of times when we respond on social media, we would say things that we would never say to another person if it was face to face. And so those things become very dangerous. And I said this last week, that we've got to come to the point where we realize my opinion doesn't always matter. Sometimes people don't want to hear your opinion. And so in this situation, I believe Mary's mouth, or Martha's mouth begins to run. Now look how Jesus responds. And Jesus answered and he said to her, Martha, Martha. It'd be very easy for him to look at us and say, Felix, Felix, Philip, Philip, you're worried and you're troubled about many things. You're anxious, you're troubled, you're upset and worried. Listen to what the message says here. It says, you're fussing far too much. You're worked up over nothing. Your, your life is way out of balance. But one thing is needed. Just one thing is essential. And Mary has chosen that good part. Mary has made the decision of that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And so when we read that Mary has found that good part, what was he talking about? Well, you've got to go back to verse 39. And verse 39 says that she sat at Jesus' feet, And heard the word. This is the main course. This is what becomes essential in every one of our lives. And so when it talks about she said as his feet. That means she took time to get into the presence of the Lord. That means she took time. To hear the word of God. And again I don't believe the Lord's ever upset with this when. We, we live life. We go to work. We play. We have fun. We fellowship. We go do things with other people. But he's saying right here, you got to get your priorities in, in, in the right order. I mean, you found this out in, in your daily life that when you take time to get into the Word of God in the morning, or even when you're getting ready for work, you begin to listen to praise and worship. You take time to get in the presence of the Lord. It's like it sets the rest of your day in order. You know why? It's because you gave God the first fruit of your day. You made God priority. And, and this is what he's telling her right here. Martha, Martha, what you're, do- what you're doing is not a bad thing. It's just not the most important thing. Go ahead and answer that. Matthew 6.33. Tell him pastor said hi. Bless him. Social media, don't you love it? I'm I'm not doing that ugly, I'm sorry. I don't want to offend you. Rewind, rewind. Let me thank thank my train of thought here. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. And so again, the Lord's saying, "Just, Just give me the first of your day. Now, why is the word of God so important? Why is getting the presence of the Lord so important? Well, turn with me the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, and and I want you to see this, this passage here, because it will begin to let us know the significance and the necessity of the Word of God in your life and my life. Again, you've heard me say this many times. You get into the Word, and God will get into you. And I believe that's what's happening on a daily basis. Now, think about this, that 
Anything in life that you don't feed, you starve something, it'll ultimately die. That's the same with the spiritually. You've got to feed yourself on the Word of God. Remember the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So again, I've I got to get in the Word. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever... It's a bunch of us in here today that are whoever's. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. He built his household on the rock. He implemented the things of God into the structure of his home. Now, it's interesting right here that the Lord Jesus defined a wise man for us. He said the wise man is the man who hears the word and does it. Now there's a lot of people that hear the word. There's a lot of people who can quote the word. There's a lot of people who can say, I've heard that before. But that's not the, 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 the total question or the answer. What do I do with it? Do I obey the word of God? Do I allow the word of God to be the blueprint, the focus of my life? And this is very, very important we get this because we live in some crazy times. And there's a society that has heard the word, many of them, but they don't do the word. So why is the word so important? Keep reading with me. Verse 25. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that wise man's house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. So what you see right here when you read this part is the wise man wasn't exempt from the storms of life. So just because you've made Jesus Lord of your life and because you hear the word of God and you do the word of God doesn't mean there's never going to be any storms. Actually, they're going to come, okay? And so the Lord right here is giving us warning you got to hear the word and do the word because when these winds, these floods, these rains come, they're going to try to knock you off course. They're going to try to get you. But as long as I'm founded on the word of God, when these things begin to take place, it's not going to rock me. Now look where he goes very next. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So again, he defines the foolish man. And he said the foolish man, he hears the word of God, but he just doesn't obey it. He just doesn't do it. Now, the thought in here that I begin to see, and maybe you can can see this in here. I believe he was speaking to the church. I believe he was speaking to people that were born again believers. Because right here, he addressed people who heard the word. If you'll note, both of them heard the word. But only one of them did it. Now, the thought of he speaking to believers is this. Before I gave my heart to Jesus, I didn't ever hear the word of God. I didn't want to hear the word of God. It wasn't useful to me. But something happens when you get born again and you begin to hear the the word of God. Do you know in James 2.16 it says, even the devils believe 
They just don't act on His Word. They believe. And there's many believers or Christians that they believe. And I'm not downplaying salvation. But a lot of times we've looked at salvation and say, once you're born again, that's it. If that was it, why did He say to those who hear the Word and do the Word? The significance of implanting the Word of God in my daily life. And he goes ahead and says in verse 27. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Jesus' words. I want you to get that because this is kind of an urgency that I have within me. Great was its fall. Great is our fall. When we hear the word but we refuse to obey it in any areas of our life. When we know what to do but we choose not to do it. It becomes sin. That's James 3.20. Okay. So right here he gives me insight. Listen. You don't have to do the word of God. But understand this. When the rains come and the floods come and the winds come. And they're coming. You're going to fall, and when you fall, don't get mad at God, okay? So when I look at this passage right here, both of them experienced the same set of circumstances. Both of them did. The only differences I see is one did the word and one didn't do the word. One fell and one stood. And the one who fell, he didn't fall because of ignorance. He failed because he ignored the word of God. So again, you begin to get a little bit of picture of the significance of the word of God. And the only time you're going to find out what your structure is built on is in the storms of life. How many of you notice when the storms of life show up, you're going to find out what you're built on. And when he said, because his home was built on the sand... The sand signifies that they trusted in something other than God. And so did they try to cut corners? Did they build with material that weren't significant enough? I believe so. I got away from the word of God. So just with that thought there, the importance of doing the word of God. None of us are exempt, okay? Thank you for that excitement. Turn back a page to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. And you say, well, how's that tie in with social media? Well, that's where we're headed now. Matthew chapter 5. And this area we're going to begin with, and we're going to start in verse 9. It's called the, the Beatitudes or the Beatitudes. I encourage you to read every one of these. Because these were Jesus' words and their significance. So we begin in verse 9. Blessed, 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 blessed. The word blessed means happy, fortunate. And to be envied. The word bless also means a long duration. Someone that continually, repeatedly, day after day after day after day, stays with the things of God. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Not the peacekeepers, but the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Now when we talk about a peacemaker... A peacemaker is one who gives up his rights. A peacemaker is one who says, you know what? I want to help bring unity. I don't want to cause strife. 
And when you see the peacemaker here also, he is the initiator of one's reconciling differences. Actually, a peacemaker is the one who puts out the fires. He doesn't start fires. And when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted for doing right. The Amplified says it this way, for being and doing what's right. So the person that is persecuted is persecuted because he's loyal to doing what's right. Do you do what's right only when someone's watching you? Or do do we do what's right all the time? Do I do what's right only when it's convenient or do I do what's right all the time? Because understand this, the Lord sees these things. Verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Now the word revile, listen to this. means to ridicule, to mock, to insult you, to put you down. And they say all kinds of evil against you and falsely for my sake. They begin to discredit you. Now, here's what begins to happen in this question. How do I respond when people ridicule me? They mock me? They insult me? Do they discredit me? Well, if they do that to me, I'm going to do that back to them. I'm going to get even with them. That's how I roll. Well, we can do those things. But it's interesting here. He says, blessed are those or blessed are you when you don't repay evil for evil. When ones begin to mock you and you don't mock back. When ones begin to discredit you and you say, well, they post about me. I'm going to post about them. I'm going to get them. If it's the last thing, I'm going to get even. See, that's how the world thinks. But that's not how the Lord Jesus thinks. And Every time I read these, I look at them and think, Lord Jesus, you set the bar way high. You put it way high for us. But yet he doesn't do it to persecute us or or to put us down. He does it because he loves us. And here in verse number 12, he says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. In other words, heaven's taking notes of your response. Heaven sees everything we do. And so when I, when I act in a godly way, man, it's like heaven is, is giving me a standing ovation. And he goes on to say, For so they persecuted the prophets who were, who were before you. You know what he's saying? This has been around a long time. Mocking and ridiculing. Don't fall into that trap. Because what begins to happen is we begin to take offense. We begin to live offended. And when we live offended, there's something on the inside of us that's like inward poison. Do you know that's what unforgiveness is? When I forgive someone, I release that junk on the inside of me. But when I don't forgive people, I keep that poison on the inside of me. And guess what it ultimately does? It destroys me from within. Same chapter, verse 38. I know I'm skipping through here a little bit. Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
This is called, better yet, the law of retaliation. And when we talk the law of retaliation, the punishment must match the injury. Again, you talk about me, I'm going to talk about you. You post something ugly about me, I'm going to post something ugly about you. So we ultimately try to justify our vendettas. And we try to make excuses for our acts of revenge. And so all you begin to happen is people say, uh, uh, in offense, I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm offended. And if I'm not careful, this is how I live my life. Watch this video. This is just a little bit lighter side here, but I believe it'll help you. And it'll show you how easy we can get offended. Like something you've seen on the internet. Are you tired of typing out those long Facebook rants only to minimal response? Introducing Get Offended, the new app that helps you let the world know that your feelings have been hurt on the internet. Oscar nominations, Confederate flags, Beyonce Super Bowl halftime performance. Our revolutionary technology provides icons on all your social media timelines, allowing you to get instantly offended at the push of a button. Don't let another zoo gorilla situation go by without letting the world know that you have a strong opinion. It's easy. Simply enter your ethnicity, religion, and political party, and we'll tailor content to help you get offended. Starbucks cups and gender bathrooms. Finally, no more thinking for yourself or forming your own opinions. Just get online and get angry. Politically inclined? Well, the old days of educating yourself and voting in elections are over. Just get online and start screaming. Custom alerts even help you get offended while remaining completely uninformed. So from the makers of Change Your Profile Photo to make you feel like you've made a difference, comes Get Offended. See a YouTube video that you don't think is funny? What are you going to do, stop watching and move on with your day? Well, now you can take any humorous situation and instantly ruin it with Get Offended. So whether it's a lion being shot in Africa or a Muslim kid with a clock, don't miss your chance to get offended today about an issue you didn't even know existed yesterday. Get Offended, helping you let the opinions of strangers on the Internet determine your quality of life. Now available in the App Store and Google Play. See, we can chuckle about that, but how true is that? I mean, you see one thing come up, and man, I'm telling you right now, you, you can feel your blood pressure begin to rise. And if you're not careful, watch what he goes on to say the very next verse, verse 39. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. So you know what he's saying? You're either going to begin to defend yourself, or you'll just turn it over to God. And God's saying, basically, let them bring the best out of you. Don't let them bring the worst out of you. Same chapter, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's how the world operates, okay? But I say to you, or I challenge you, or Jesus proposes to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, you don't have to show your hand in here. But how many of you got some good enemies? And he said, love your enemies. <laughs> Watch what he says next, because he tells us how to love them. Bless those who curse you. And do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And so what you see right here is the devil, he actually tries to get us to take his tactics and we retaliate. But what would happen if we begin to pray for our enemies? What would happen if we begin to bless those who curse us? 
ones who post stuff about us on the internet. And I can't tell you this, just because of human nature, a lot of times that's the last thing we want to do. And there's times in my life that I find myself doing this to say, Father God, I pray for that person. And when he says, pray for those who despitefully use you, he wouldn't say, pray that someone breaks their kneecaps, okay? He wasn't saying, pray the Brutus prayer and send the mafia out and get, with, get after them. And so when Jesus said, pray for those who do those things for you, it's not easy. But I've, what I found out that sometimes it's just a step of faith. And what I mean by that is I begin to pray in faith and I say, Father God, I ask you to bless them. And I can tell you at times, everything within me despises myself saying that. I'm like, Father God, it goes totally against my nature. But something happens when we give our heart to Jesus and we begin to obey what Jesus asks us to do. So I begin to say, Father God, I, I ask you to bless them. I ask you to do good to them. Actually, Lord, I ask you to do for them everything that I ask you to do for me today. And the more I begin to pray for those ones that have done me wrong, something begins to change in my heart. And I begin to realize, you know what? I can walk this out. I can live this out. Now, the great test is when you see them at United or Walmart and they're on the same aisle as you. We're going to go the other aisle. It's a good sign that you probably still hadn't forgiven them. But if I'll continue to do just what Jesus said with the word of God, it will begin to take root in me. One of the things I love to say about myself is this, that I repent quickly and I'm not easily offended. Lord, help me. I don't want to be easily offended. And if you need practice, just go to Walmart and work on that area. And if you work at Walmart, bless you, okay? I'm glad you got a job. But that's what the Lord does. He sends me to Walmart to walk my, check my love walk. And I find out real quick how depleted I am in some areas. And you realize in this society, it's so easy to get offended. It's easy to get offended. I mean, get offended just like that. Unless I begin to obey the word of God. And he goes on to say, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And you may say, what does that mean? Well, God indiscriminately. He rains and he sends sunshine on both the just and the unjust. And as a Christian, I must not, in, or must not discriminate against anyone with my love and my honor toward them. Is what he's telling you. You're going to have to make a choice, a decision to put on love. And he goes on to say, verse 46, For if you love those who love you, the lovable, what reward or what bonus do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And you may say, why do you throw the tax collectors in there? Because in their society, the tax collectors were the scum of the earth. They were despised and hated. And then in verse 47, he says, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? 
Do not even the tax collectors do so also? And so right there he's saying, the tax collectors, they're the lowest of the low. I've called you to be better than that. Therefore, you shall be perfect. And the word perfect there is not in a flawless moral character, but the word perfect right there has to do with maturity. That God wants us to begin to mature. And he goes on to say, therefore you shall be perfect or mature, just as your Father in heaven is perfect or mature. Now, Father God expects something out of us. He doesn't expect us to stay at this level. He expects us to grow. So as a parent, would you expect more out of your eight-year-old than you would your three-year-old? I would think so. And as a parent, wouldn't I expect more out of my 15-year-old than my 10-year-old? And as a parent, wouldn't you expect more out of a 30-year-old than an 18-year-old? And the reason I say that is because God does too. God wants us to grow up. God wants us to say, quit living this way. Continue to mature. One last passage, book of Hebrews. Chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Well, I, I really thought I was preaching better than you guys are amen. And I really thought I was doing a real good job today. Again, sometimes we just need to be woke up with the word of God. Allow God's word to teach you. Hebrews 5. Verse number 12. For though by this time. You ought to be teachers. You ought to grown up enough to be a teacher. But instead, you need someone to teach you again. Over and over and over. The first principles. The basic principles. The elementary principles of the oracles of God or of the word of God. And you have come need of milk. And not solid food. Ow, that hurt. Because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out here what he's talking about. If you're still on the bottle and you're 46 years old, something's wrong. <laughs> Ow, Pastor, that hurt. <laughs> I've been on the bottle late in life. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word or in my thoughts and my actions of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, those who are mature, that those who by reason of use or those who by reason of practice have their senses exercised or trained to discern both good and evil. So you know what he tells me here? Grow up. I got to start growing up spiritually where I become wise enough through the scriptures and the things of God that I look at something and say, that's not good. That is good. That's evil. That's wrong. Now, how would you like to come in here today 
And I'm going way, way, way back into history when I was in elementary, not even elementary. Let's go back to kindergarten. And how many of you remember those little desks in kindergarten with the little bitty blue chairs? I should have brought one in here. They're about that big. And we have those lined up in here today. And three-fourths of our adults are sitting in those little blue chairs all scrunched underneath those desks. See, that's what he's saying spiritually to us. And if I'm not mature enough to go on Facebook without responding in an ugly way, just stay off of it. Oh, pastor, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't know what Sister Bucketmouth is saying today. And I'm not just talking about Facebook. Instagram. Snapchat. Do a little chatting while I'm snapping. That's, that's powerful right there, Pastor. Go ahead and tweet that one today. See, so much of this stuff becomes very secretive. And when I have to hide anything I'm doing, it ought to be a good sign to me that I'm not doing something that's a proven of God. And so it may be we all need to be held accountable and say, who has access to my password? Who can go on and look what I'm doing? Because every one of us in here need to be held accountable to someone. And again, if I'm not developed enough maturely, this stuff will override me. This stuff will wear you out. And remember what we read in Matthew 7. He said, great was the fall. Great was the fall. And I believe this becomes warnings to us just as a society that I can't play around with this without being disciplined. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.